Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and Lord, the subject of the sermon is one that takes, uh, it's just beyond our ability to comprehend. That's what the Bible says, and Lord, we need the Holy Spirit to work in each song, in the special music, in the preaching, but Lord, just as much as the preaching, we, needed, we need the work of the Holy Spirit in the ability to hear and understand the words that are printed in your book called the Bible. We ask, Lord, that you would give us that understanding that we can know things based upon your word, based upon faith, and that your work would be in our hearts and in our lives. Bless us this morning that we may bring glory to you in the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, the rest of us, let's turn again to the book of Ephesians, chapter 3. Uh, I'm going to try again to finish the sermon uh, that I started last Sunday. And I would ask that you would pray with me that we can make this passage understood. And let's just start reading in verse 14, Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church. He says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge." that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. And all God's people said... This is Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church. And last week we spent our time and the beginning of this prayer, what it meant to be rooted and grounded in love. The idea of those roots reaching down and bringing up from the soil in which it is planted. And the Bible tells us, that, that we are to be planted in Jesus Christ. So much of what religion is, is human efforts trying to please God. That's why people get worn out. That's why people, uh, I, you meet them all the time. Well, I was a Christian once. Well, the problem was they were rooted in the wrong things, you will run out of you. I promise you. Uh, that's why we have so many marriages failing today, because 
people get married and, and they say, I love you and you love me and we can live on love. And I suggest that that's a very good thing till lunchtime. Uh, and then after lunch, it'll work again till dinner. Uh, but uh, if you're going to live, you're going to need more than love. Amen? And we talk about our society today. I don't know about you, but what is going on in, in America today troubles my heart deeply. That, that we would have states saying that recreational marijuana use and even medicinal marijuana use. You, you want to know where the medicinal marijuana came from? They take that verse in the Bible that says, Timothy, drink a little wine for thy stomach's sake, and says, see there, it's okay to drink. Well, you come Thursday nights. We're going to straighten that thing out, all right? Uh, we're, we're spending the next several months on Thursday nights talking about what the Bible says uh, about wine, and, and we're going to find application to uh, uh, other intoxicating substances as well. But, and we're also going to draw this thing in as far as the politics and the Bible are concerned. All of these things are wrapped up uh, uh, together. And yet, uh, what we want to understand here is that if we're going to really be Christians, the source of our Christianity isn't me, isn't you, isn't even the strength of our assembling together here. The Bible tells us that we need to be rooted and grounded in love. Someone says, yes, we just need to love everybody. You can't love people that hate you. They will not accept it. That kind of love. You see, you have to have biblical love. Let the Bible define itself. Amen? What is biblical love? What's the biblical definition of love? He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. That's the Bible definition of love. God is love. If we're going to be rooted in love, it means to be rooted in God. And so I, I like to ask this question of myself and uh, of people who want to actually think about their Christianity and have a relationship with God that's more... Well, I went church Sunday. If you want more of a relate, you've got to ask yourself this question. What did you accomplish this past week? Can you name one thing that could not possibly have happened without God intervening in your life? Most of us would be very hard-pressed to come up with something. Because most of what we can do, we can, most of what we do, we can do ourselves. 
Now, I hope and I pray, and I'm I'm going to be a little more tedious than I was last year about your daily Bible reading schedule. This is important. If you don't have one, we'll give you one. Amen? Um, Somebody said, I want to pay for it. No, I want you to use it. If you'll use it, uh, it is a small investment to buy the book and give you the book. But if you will read this thing, if you will just follow the pattern of the reading schedule. You know, most people have never read through the Bible one time. And yet, we say we want to please God and we want to do what God says. But how in the world is that going to happen if you don't know what God says? It's like all the people I've met trying to keep the Ten Commandments. I have yet to meet one person trying to get to heaven by keeping the Ten Commandments could even name the Ten Commandments. You you would think that if that was your purpose in life, that that, uh, you were going to stand before God someday based on the Ten Commandments, you might start by at least learning the Ten Commandments. But you see, it's all just a pretense. You see, the passage here talks about, and we covered this last week, that it's by the riches of His glory that He strengthens us in the inner man. Now, how are we strengthened in the inner man? By His Spirit. To be strengthened by His Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, strengthens us. Why? That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. I mean, I I, I don't want to take too much time because there's so much to cover here, but have you ever thought about how powerful faith is? Jesus said, if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, You could say unto this mountain, be plucked up by the roots and cast into the sea, and it should be done. I want to challenge you that even our greatest nuclear weapons are not that powerful. They're a whole lot bigger than a grain of mustard seed. And it would take an awful large nuclear weapon to destroy or vaporize or move an entire mountain. And yet Jesus says, one grain of faith. So why do you need to be strengthened in the inner man? Because if you put faith in a weak heart, in a weak soul, it's going to to blow the thing up. Uh, It's too powerful to be held. And you must be strengthened by the Spirit of God to hold and know this is the difference between true religion and false religion. Is you have to be strengthened in the inner man with his spirit so that you can even contain what faith, so faith can live in you. And the other way to say that is being rooted and grounded in love. The idea of rooted, of course, is roots. The idea of grounded is to be supported, to be built on a firm foundation. 
Those of you that have been here know that we've spent a great deal of time the last two years rebuilding the Union Baptist Church in Greenpoint. And one of the reasons we were able to reclaim that building built in 1863 was the foundations were good. Actually, that was the only thing that that wasn't replaced or rebuilt to one degree or another. And uh, why? Because they did it right. The foundations have not moved. And the, the whole idea here is we live in a world where the clarion call of our day, well, if you're going to meet society, you've got to build a bridge. You've got to meet people where they are. no. That's not true. You see, God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His Word does not change. If you're going to meet people, you've got to meet at the foot of the cross. I remember hearing the story of a young preacher... And he was preparing a message and he'd ask an older preacher, uh, well-known in his day, this was many, many years ago, and the preacher took a look at his notes and his sermon and he says, Son, you can't preach that. He says, Well, why not? He said, That's a doctrinal sermon. He says, People won't stand for it. They won't listen to it. And the young preacher said, But it's Bible. And fortunately, he refused to listen to the old preacher who had given in to preaching what people wanted to hear and went forth and preached what people need to hear, which is the words of God. See, it doesn't change. We don't need to modify the Word of God to meet you. God must modify you to meet His Word. And by the way, that's not the end goal. That's only a byproduct. That is the great devious mischief of this purpose-driven life that has been uh, propagated the last several uh, years or so here that that God is somehow, uh, His main purpose is to make your life fulfilling. No, His main purpose is to root and ground you in His love. Because without that, you can't move on. You can't get to the next step. And see, where we're trying to dig into this passage today is verse 18. It says, may be able to comprehend. Oh my. Uh-oh. How many of you brought your thinking caps today? Uh, how many of you remember those from school? Now students, put on your thinking caps uh, my dad had other ways of putting it that uh, really brought the point home, if, uh, if I could just leave it there. Uh, and, and we're not going to do that here today, but uh, we do want you to think about this thing. The Bible says that you may be able to comprehend. Now, that idea of comprehend means to seize, to get a hold of, to 
to mentally envelop is the thought here, that, that you can understand this thing completely. Let me throw out a few terms. Trigonometry. I always get blank scares. Quantum mechanics, if you like physics. And people say, yeah, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. Well, could I challenge you that there's no rocket scientist nearly as smart as God is? Amen? And the simple truth is, the Bible says, hey, there's lots of things in this life we cannot comprehend. You would have to spend an entire life just learning specific knowledge and trying to apply it to comprehend these things. But the Bible says that that ye may be able to comprehend. Now, how many of you remember second grade when you raised your hand and you said, Teacher, can I go to the bathroom? And the teacher looked at you and said, I am sure that is possible. The question is, may I go to the bathroom? How many of you had that happen to you? Okay. You see, we ask the wrong questions. This, it here says, may be able to comprehend. You see, we look at the Bible and we say, oh, it's such a complicated book. I'm glad I have such a smart pastor. No. That, that's, not, that's not the question. Paul's prayer is that you can be strengthened in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in the truth. You see, you have to have these things first. If you have these things, you may be able to comprehend. You can get this. Now, what's the next phrase? Read it with me. I'll, I'll quote it. You read it. With all saints. Oh, okay. Well, that makes it better. With all saints. So, uh, let's see. We got St. Nicholas and, and, and St. Mary and St. Joseph and St. No, 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 no. Again, you must have the Bible define the word saint. Look in the first chapter of 1 Corinthians. It says, called to be saints. The word saint is the Bible word for a saved person. You see, we do not have levels of Christianity. This is not an unusual attainment. This is not extraordinary. We have this false idea that certain people are just such great Christians and all the rest of us are uh, uh, destined to be nobodies. Now, no, that's not the Bible. 
That's the world. I like what one news commentator says. He says, politics is Hollywood for people that are undesirable to be put on the big screen. Wow, boy, that certainly defines what goes on, does it not? Because you have to have your big stars. I'll tell you what, don't get between a politician and the microphone. It's a dangerous place to be. They're going to run you over, push you out of the way. Because that's their stardom. And the rest of us, we are so dumb, we don't even know how to drink soda right. Our mayor had to come up with a commission on drinking soda and sugary. How many of you didn't know that going to Starbucks and getting one of those great big sweet things with all is going to make you fat? Did anybody not know that? Okay. Uh, how many people did not know that McDonald's is bad food? Does anybody? I mean, give us a break. The world treats us like that, and people have brought that worldly, wicked, evil philosophy into the church, trying to relegate almost everybody to a low level of Christianity that just barely gets along, and that's not what the Bible's about. Can we say amen to that? God wants each of us as individuals... Not to realize your inner champion, sorry. You don't have one unless the Holy Spirit of God is living inside. Then you do. Because He's going to strengthen you. He's going to make you capable of comprehending. And we're going to find out here that what we're trying to comprehend passes knowledge. So you can't be smart enough to figure this thing out. That's what the Bible says. It has nothing to do with mental capacity. But it says here that uh, may be able to comprehend with all saints. Now here's what we're trying to comprehend. What is the breadth and length and depth and height? Now how many of you like geometry? Not even, oh, I saw one hand go up. Okay. Uh, good. I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with these things. Geometry is a lot of fun. A, a, if you learn it. Now, if you have a teacher that just says, do the problem, that's not geometry. You've got to understand the basis, the theorems and the postulates, and you've got to put it all together. That's what comprehending means, and then you can find out all of these angles and unknown things uh, from uh, that only help you in geometry. No, they actually don't. I, I, they help you in real life if you apply them. I can't tell you how many times uh, I was tempted to go get my kids' math books and relook up these things as we were trying to figure out things and 
uh, building over at Union and repairing things. All, it's all there. It, it's, it's just you have to grab a hold of these facts. But we're talking about breadth. What is the breadth of God's love? How wide is it? For God so loved, come on, the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Can you get any wider than that? How about length? 1 Corinthians 15.28 says in one, All things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. How many of you know how your Bible starts? Genesis 1.1 In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So what's the length of God's love from the beginning to the end and beyond? Can we say amen to that? How about the depth of God's love? One commentator is going, well, uh, I mean, we have three basic dimensions. We have, uh, we have uh, uh, width and then we have, uh, or breadth and and uh, um, uh, length, and then we have height, and that makes something three-dimensional, but there are four here. Uh, I want to challenge you. Paul was not interested in drawing pictures here. He was trying to help us understand the breadth, that God's love goes beyond to every corner. Its length is from the beginning to the end. Actually, in God's mind, it's from the end to the beginning. Because it doesn't make any difference to God. Can we say amen to that? How about depth? Let me just read you a verse. Psalm 139, David is speaking here. He said, If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Can you get any lower than that? It's the book of Hebrews that says, Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost to come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. One old time preacher said, From the guttermost to the uttermost. Do you realize there is no sin that you can sin? That God isn't willing and able and capable of forgiving. With one exception. He will not forgive the sin of unbelief. If you refuse to believe Him, if you refuse to accept what He has done, God cannot save you. Now what is a God who loved the whole world supposed to do with a soul that refuses His love? What can he do to leave that soul, enter heaven in its glory, would be to blaspheme every good thing that Jesus did. 
God's not going to do that. His love, I'm so glad I'm not a Calvinist. I'm so glad I don't believe that Jesus only died for the saved. I'm glad that the Bible teaches that He loved the whole world. That there is no one lower or higher than His salvation. Amen. Let's take a moment here and go to Romans chapter 8 if we can. We, we won't be able to go through the entire passage this morning, but I certainly think that it is worth reading as we talk about the dimensions of God's love. Romans chapter 8, and we'll skip down to verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can we say amen to that? You know what? That passage doesn't need a lot of exposition, does it? It's very plain that God's love is beyond and anything that we can experience. So let's go back to Ephesians. And let's look at these verses. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, now here's what we're trying to do, may be able to comprehend with all saints, this is not only for super-Christians, this is for every believer in Jesus Christ. What is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth Knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Could I challenge you this verse transcends every religion known to mankind. How many of you remember Ponce de Leon searching for the fountain of youth? Why? Because he wanted eternal life. What's the Bible say? Everyone that believeth, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know what? I have the fountain of life right here. The Buddhist and the Hindu 
though they go about it in different ways and different comprehensions and explanations of their reality and unrealities. Uh, nice word for lies and made-up stories, but uh, we'll keep moving. Is they try to become one with the eternal nothingness. I am so glad that my God is not nothing. He is something. In fact, He is the foundation of everything that is something. It all came from His spoken word. He, I am not going to become like God through my own efforts and my own attainments. He's going to make me that way. You see, He has to strengthen me so that He can put Himself in me. What does it mean to know something that passeth knowledge? Now, we like to make things complicated. You know why? Because if we make it complicated, then I can say, well, I, that's just above my pay grade. Uh, that, that's just too much. Somebody asked one of our former presidents uh, a question about abortion and and the killing of babies. Oh, that's just above my pay grade. I'm not paid to understand that. I'm sitting there going, yeah, sure. It's because you don't want to understand that. Every once in a while, one of my kids will get a little frustrated with their schooling. and Oh, I'm just dumb. I don't know. Wait a minute. That's just an excuse so you can quit. God doesn't accept excuses because the reason you can't quit Jesus Christ is because He's living in you. Hello? We still together? We're going to try to be out on time today, okay? So stick with me here. Maybe I can give this illustration. How many of you have ever played a musical instrument? Really, really worked at it. You see, the problem with learning a musical instrument is simply that. You've got to learn the instrument. In fact, you've got to learn the instrument so well that you're no longer thinking about the instrument. You're no longer working with trying to make the keys pressed and trying to blow the air through. I play the saxophone, or have played, actually, it would be more true. Um, have you ever seen one of those people play the piano, and all of a sudden they start... <laughs> and, in, and I remember the first time I saw that, I said... Must be possessed. Wow. I don't ever want to do that. But really, what simply has happened is they have passed out of the realm of knowledge. They are beyond it. And the instrument melds with the person playing it and produces music. I mean, most of us have heard music that uh, 
just brought a tear to your ear. You know what I mean by that? You're sitting there saying, boy, I moved right out of this auditorium. You've got to tune the trumpets. If there's more than one, they've got to be tuned. And they've got to be tuned with everybody else. It never fails to amaze me. Some Even groups, you'll, you'll hear them on some of the Heartland recordings. They, they didn't tune the band as well as they should have. And and it it hurts. I take those off the playlist. I just it, it bothers me. But then you hear somebody that is not only playing the instrument. They're exposing their soul. You familiar with what I'm talking about? See that kind of music moves you. That's that's one of the reasons I don't go to Broadway shows. You want me to tell you why? Because that music is those people, to get that good, that's what they're doing. And it will move you, I promise you. But is that how you want to be moved? Or do you want the love of God? God to use you as His instrument, expressing Himself to a lost and dying world through you. You got to stop trying to help Him. You have to stop trying to figure it out. This is another illustration of a, of, of a phrase that you will hear often. How did you get saved? You got saved. If you have Bible salvation, you surrendered yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ and called upon His name and asked Him to save you. Can we say amen to that? How do you live for Him? Same way. I remember hearing a preacher many years ago when we were first married, and uh, I think I may have even told my wife, I said, man, that guy, he preaches so great, I wish I could lose my salvation just to get it again, to experience the things that he's talking about. And, and the simple truth was, you can experience those things new and afresh each and every day. That's what the love of Christ is about. He loves me so much that when I fall and when I mess up and when I clutter my mind with the things of this world, He doesn't get impatient and kick me out and make me start all over again. He cleans me up. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. What's that last phrase? And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But you know, I I think God spends so much time cleaning some of us that He never gets to use us to present His love to the world in which we live. This is what we're striving for. That's why those verses are on 
the banners up there to remind you that, listen, this is not about you. It says that ye might be filled. What's it say? Make sure I get this right. That ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Not even the Mormons promise you something that good. They say, well, you, you'll eventually be the God of your own planet. Just like God is of earth, you'll have your own planet. You'll be just like God, only He's been doing it a little longer than you have. And I'm sitting here going, yeah, sure, everybody has said that. That's what the devil said in the Garden of Eden to Eve, didn't he? He shall be as gods. Now, here's what the Bible says. God wants to fill you with His fullness. That's better than anything anybody else has ever even thought about making up. God wants to take me. He wants to take you just as you are and fill us with His fullness. That's better than positive thinking, my friend. Do you see the difference? And positive thinking is a great thing to you think a negative thought. Then it's not positive thinking anymore. It's negative thinking. And negative thinking is very bad, isn't it? Sorry. That's how silly it is. It really, it's just foolishness. But here's what the Bible says. That you may be able to comprehend the length, the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth all knowledge, which passeth knowledge, sorry, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, I wish as the pastor of this church, I could stand before you this morning and say, got this. Now you get it. But boy, would I be the biggest liar on the face of this earth if I said that. I don't got this. You don't got this. None of us have this. But how many of you would raise a hand with me saying, God, I need this. Would you do that? Would you give a public testimony? Would you say that? I need that. I I want that. Now, let's look at the next verse here. It says, now unto him. Oh, wait a minute. I, I thought I was the one to be filled with all the fullness of God. Well, wait a minute. Let's, let's, now unto him. We're not talking about you. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Can I tell you that God is capable of accomplishing what is in his word? And that the only hindrance is may, may be able, may you know, a lot of times, can, yeah. 
what, what do we have a saying? Well, it's possible, but it's not very probable. Wait a minute. Now unto him. How many times have you heard that verse quoted out of context? I've heard people say, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. So don't ask for a Cadillac. Ask for a Ferrari. And I'm sitting there going, Yeah. You You couldn't afford the insurance. In fact, you couldn't afford the gas. Those things only get like three miles a gallon. How in the world would you drive that thing? But people do. I, I've seen them around here, around the story. They'll park them on the street. I'm sitting there going, what a joke. If you got that thing halfway through first gear, you'd be getting 50 tickets. The speed limit is 20 miles an hour. You do that in reverse. But don't drive backwards. I'm sure they'll give you a ticket for that too. But... You see, God wants to put himself in you. He wants you to lose yourself in him. He wants to put those things together as the greatest musician in the universe to make a sound that will bring honor and glory to Himself. That is God's purpose for you. That is God's purpose for His church. Now, we have to understand that God is capable. Not only is He capable, He is willing. This is what He wants to do. So why doesn't it happen Well, one of the reasons it doesn't happen is, let's get to the top part of verse 21. Unto Him be glory where? Where? Can we do that nice and loud? In the church. In. Are you in? That means in. It means part of it. It's in the center. The church. In The church. And people say, yes, the universal invisible body of Christ that transcends. There is no such thing as a universal invisible anything. The church is a local assembly of believers. The church is real. It's something that you have responsibilities toward and something the church has responsibilities toward you. The church is not a place where we all act like little robots and we just follow our pastor and do exactly what he says. No, the church is a place where we come together to serve Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the head. Amen. Ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Paul was speaking to the Corinthian church in chapter 12 and verse 27 there. And he didn't include himself because he was a member of the church at Antioch, even though he was the founding pastor of the church or apostle of the church at Corinth. He was from Antioch. 
and he said to Corinthians, he said, listen, you don't have to have me there. You're your own church, complete, responsible to Christ. And we, as a church, are to bring glory to God by Jesus Christ. That, that's the purpose of the church. Now, is God going to have to fix up your life so that He can use it to bring glory to Himself through His church? Absolutely. But that's not the end. That's a byproduct. That, that's just what God has to do so that He can use you. How many of you would say with me, I, my, 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 I could use a little fixing up. I, I need a little help so that I could bring more glory to God. I'm, I'm telling you, we all do. God has to change us. He has to fix us. He has to uh, make more out of us than we are. But let's go back. If you're not rooted and grounded in love, which is God, you're not going to be able to comprehend Love of Christ. Brother Clayton's told the story. I'm not sure if it's true or not. But it illustrates the point. There's this fella comes running down the pier and they're just pulling the gangplank out. And he realizes that if he's going to make the ship, he's going to jump. And he, he jumps and he lands on the deck in a heap just as the ship is cut the lines and starts moving. And everybody's standing around just staring at this guy. And he says, I made it! Where's the party? And they looked at him and said, You're on the wrong ship, sir. He said, What? He said, This is a Christian cruise. He said, No casino? He says, No. No bar? No. Can I get off? No. This was before the days of modern transportation. He'd have to wait till the first port of call and then get off and find some other boat going back home. And the story went that someone heard him remarking just a few hours later, This is hell! But that's what the unsaved person thinks of the love of God. It really is. Oh, you, you people, you Christians, you just want to control everything we do and think. Absolutely not. I got enough responsibility for me. I don't want you. But I will tell you this. If you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, He will. And you'll be better off for it. I have more freedom on the narrow way than the most extravagant Broadway traveler in all of history. Because I'm not looking over my shoulder. 
I'm not worried about what God is going to say when I stand before Him. And I've heard people say, I'm not worried either. Yeah, you're just like those people that put that bumper sticker on your car. No fear. It also means no brains, no a lot of things. Hey, there are things you ought to be afraid of. Amen? And God ought to be the top of the list. And if you're not, I'm sorry, that's why the Bible says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. You can't say that logically. But logic will not save you. It has to be by faith. You see, it says, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. Now, what's that next phrase there? Throughout all ages. Guess what? Jesus said in his lifetime, I will build my church. Now, I want Jesus to build this church, not me. Not individuals. But He will use us if we'll let Him fill us with His fullness to bring people to Jesus Christ. Amen? But it is Jesus that does the building. I can tell you without embarrassment, without contradiction, without any reservations whatsoever, and I am a student of history, I have studied it thoroughly, that since Jesus spoke those words in Matthew chapter 16, until this day there has been at least one church that follows the direction of Jesus Christ and counts Him as its head. The only time that there was just one was the first few years when Jesus was on this earth. But then there were churches in Antioch, in Samaria. And then Paul went through Asia, which is modern-day Turkey, and started churches all the way up through there. You see, the church cannot be prevailed against. Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Yet if I'm going to quote history, a man named Martin Luther said the church of Jesus Christ has become so corrupt it is necessary to restart it. Now, if Martin Luther is correct, then Jesus was mistaken. Well, Martin Luther isn't correct. He was not correct about a lot of things. We do not count Martin Luther as a heritage of the true church. Never was. He was a baptized Catholic. He died. Baptized, baptized, rantized, sprinkled. Uh, Not the same word, not the same act, not the same anything. You see, a guy named Sung Young Moon said Jesus appeared to him three times begging him to straighten out the mistakes that he had made in his earthly ministry. Neither Sung Young Moon is a lunatic. Amen? Because Jesus certainly is not. And he certainly would be if he called on a tax cheat to straighten out all the problems that he had made. Wow. You see, we live in a world 
that wants to ignore the simple words of this book. It says, Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. What's that last word? You know what amen means? So be it. Of a surety. I believe it. I am agreeing is what the word amen means. And we need to use it more in our church. And we need to grab a hold of this truth. God wants you to comprehend His love. It has more breadth than you can measure. It is longer than all of history. It is deeper than the deepest sea. It's higher than the highest heaven. There is nothing that can separate you from God's love. And what happens is I stop trying to figure out who God is and I just trust Him. That's how you got saved. That's how you live for Him. And it says, if we will comprehend God's love, if we will grab a hold of that which we cannot understand, it's beyond our ability to know, then He will do in us what cannot be done by human effort. Ah, that is the fullness of God. And the purpose of that fullness is to put you in a local assembly of believers so that God can get glory through His church throughout all ages. You read the book of Revelation 4 and 5, what do we have? We have 20 and 4 elders, do we not? Twelve tribes of Israel and twelve apostles of the Lamb. That's what that passage means. And we will go through all eternity bringing glory to Him who first loved us. Question number one is, are you saved? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Question number two, if you are saved, are you being obedient to the Lord? Have you been baptized? Are you in His church? Are you willing to be strengthened in the inner man by the Holy Spirit of God? Are you willing to let Christ dwell in your hearts through faith? Because without that, you're never going to comprehend. You're never going to be able to plumb the, the depths and the expanse of God's love until it completely overwhelms you and you stop trying to know things and you just enjoy it. One last quick illustration. Try to bring this home. The whole world talks about love. Valentine's Day is coming up. We're just going to share the love. And, and if you want to propose to someone, you can send a postcard to New York City and it will appear 
on one of those uh, doodads, those big towers on the street. And you could just imagine walking to work. I love you. Will you marry me? And it's unsigned. Uh, Who is that to? Well, somebody's back in the second grade. Uh, It usually helps if you want to get married to talk to the person you'd like to get married to. And it even helps a little more if they would return the affection that you put in their direction. Amen? But if you try to understand love, you're going to have a miserable marriage. If you think you understand the person you married and you have them all analyzed and you know what they're going to do and their thought process, and that is an awful dumb way to approach marriage. It really is. What you need to do is get God between you two. And then you stop worrying about who you are and who they are. And together, you can concentrate on who He is. That's what makes marriage fun. It really is. You see, God's love is for every believer. You may never have the opportunity. And by the way, you'd be far better off to be single all your life than to be married to the wrong human being for five minutes. Just trust your pastor on that one. And people will tell you. But let me tell you this. You cannot make a mistake with Jesus Christ. Amen? He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will save you forever. And He will use you to bring glory to the name of His Father through His church. That's God's only plan. Are you a part of it? If you're not, get that thing fixed. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today. And Lord, I just ask that you would deal with such a great truth. I pray that some of the illustrations and humor would not detract from the great depths of the truths that we have dealt with today, but Lord would help us to stop and look at the wonder of your great love for us. Lord, I ask that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to work in hearts and lives. And Lord, not one of us in this room would withhold from you what is rightfully yours. Someone's here struggling with their salvation, that they would just surrender today and be saved. Lord, if they're struggling with life and how to live, that, Lord, you would, they would understand the path to comprehending the greatness of God's love. Lord, we ask that you would take our church and get glory to Yourself through Jesus Christ for as long as you allow us to exist. Lord, we pray that we would be rooted and grounded in love.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.